Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is February 25th, 2019. More other piece of advice, Copperfield, said Mr. McCorber. You know. Annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, 19.196. Result, happiness. Annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, £20.06. Result, misery. One of Charles Dickens's most lovable characters, Mr. McCorber, offered a young David Copperfield sage advice on personal financial management. Spending sixpence under your income causes no problems, but spending sixpence over can set you on the road to ruin. However, as has often been noted, In economics, what is true for the individual is often false for the economy, and so it is in this case. The pervasive problem for most of the developed world in recent years has not been consumers and businesses spending above their income, but rather spending slightly below it. In the case of consumers, one of the root causes of this is rising inequality. Over the past 40 years, the top 10% of households have seen their fortunes improve dramatically. According to tax records compiled by Thomas Piketty and Emmanuel Says, the top 10% of U.S. households earned 33.6% of all pre-tax income in 1977. By 2017, that figure had risen to 50.1%. Leaving to one side the controversial issues of causes and remedies, the macroeconomic implications are significant. According to the government's annual consumer expenditure surveys, in 2017, the highest earning 10% of households spent just 76% of their after-tax income, while the other 90% borrowed enough to spend 102%. In very rough numbers, because the definitions of income and households are not the same across these two datasets, this suggests that if we had the same income distribution as in the 1970s, American consumers in aggregate would be spending 4% more of their income today. In some economies, a lack of personal spending can be offset by strong investment spending. However, here another force comes into play, uncertainty. Any business plan to hire an employee, lease a building, or buy some new equipment is to some extent a leap of faith. Even with significant tax incentives and low interest rates, if companies cannot see the potential for a strong return in capital spending, or if they are uncertain about future trade rules or tax laws, they may hesitate to invest. Both of these themes will be worth considering in the week ahead, as markets absorb a barrage of data on the U.S. and overseas economies, investors adjust to the latest twists and turns in the China-U.S. trade negotiations, and Jay Powell provides Congress with testimony on the outlook for the economy and monetary policy. The highlight of U.S. economic indicators will be a report on fourth quarter GDP, which was delayed by the government shutdown. We expect a significant slowdown in growth from the third quarter, reflecting mostly declines in both commercial and residential construction and slower inventory accumulation. However, investors will likely be more interested in indicators of first quarter activity. December numbers on housing starts and home prices and January data on pending home sales should, should show relatively flat activity, even as confidence is beginning to improve in response to lower mortgage rates and the end of the government shutdown. Slightly improved consumer attitudes should also be evident in consumer confidence on Tuesday and consumer sentiment on Friday. Consumer spending, however, is a point of greater concern. Light vehicle sales in January came to 16.6 million units at a seasonally adjusted annual rate, down substantially from 17.5 million units in the fourth quarter, and early industry estimates for February suggest a number of about 16.7 million units. Even with some rebound in March, this will leave vehicle sales down from the fourth quarter. 
In addition, so far this calendar year, the Treasury Department has paid out $36 billion in income tax refunds compared to $99 billion a year ago. While this gap is likely to close in the weeks ahead, a lack of the usual refund windfall could further sow real consumer spending perhaps to less than 1% annualized in the first quarter. International data are also likely to be downbeat this week, with Friday's release of manufacturing PMI data for a wide range of developed and emerging market economies. Flash PMI data for Japan and the Eurozone were both below 50 in February, falling to 32-month and 68-month lows respectively. And data on EM manufacturing this week are likely to be similarly depressing. While services sectors are holding up better globally, slower growth in China and the chill of ongoing uncertainty about tariffs are producing a very broad dampening effect on the global economy. With all of this in mind, Jay Powell will testify to Congress this week on prospects for the U.S. economy and monetary policy. Given minutes of the last FOMC meeting released last Wednesday, as well as comments by Governor Quarles last Friday, it appears that the Fed wants to provide more clarity on its balance sheet plans, and Jay Powell's testimony may be, appropriate, may be an appropriate occasion for doing so. In brief, it seems the Fed is willing to halt its balance sheet reduction in the second half of this year and then hold overall assets constant for a while, even as excess reserves drift down and other liabilities drift up. However, in delivering this message, Chairman Powell could well reinforce the Fed's generally dovish message. For investors, all of this is a mixed bag. On the negative side, economic growth seems to be slowing both in the U.S. and internationally, although it could stabilize if we achieve more clarity over future trade relationships. On the positive side, sluggish demand is holding both central banks and inflation in check, and thus should ensure a generally low inflation rate environment. However, with real bond deals at still very low levels and four P.E. ratios on stocks now back above their 25-year averages, expected returns from here on U.S. bonds and stocks should be modest, highlighting the importance of broader diversification to both reduce risk and enhance overall return. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.